Hey, are you looking to upgrade your key life areas and evolve to a higher level of existence? To practically harness personal growth and spirituality in a crazy, busy, imperfect world? Then you've come to the right place. My name is Prash and this is Urban Spirituality, the show which uniquely fuses ancient wisdom with contemporary self-growth and spiritual disciplines to deliver value-adding tools, traits, and insights to help you unleash your fullest potential. We always keep it real, featuring authentic, unfiltered dialogue with guests from diverse backgrounds to inspire, entertain, and enlighten all who listen. So get ready for your dose of urban spirituality. Be present and let's dive in. Taming your inner critic. What are we talking about here? Well, folks, let's get it. Let's get it clear. How many times have you had a situation where you've felt out of place? You felt beyond your abilities. You felt that you didn't deserve to be in that situation, that you felt that, nah, you're not good enough to be there. Maybe you've had a situation where you feel that you're out of your depth, or maybe that there's just no way you can actually level up to be in that particular situation. If you've experienced any of these things, likely you've experienced your inner critic. So our inner critic is such a clever creature that it finds ways to restrict us in what we do, to hold us back in different ways. And as you're coming into this live, I want you to think about where your inner critic, that negative self-talk has gotten the better, has gotten the better of you. Where has it shown up in your life? Where has it gotten the better of you? Because sometimes we don't realize that it's our negative self-talk that holds us back from the success that we want. Does that make sense? So the more we get into understanding where our negative self-talk shows up, the better we're able to start to become aware and then we're able to start to put a block or disrupt that negative self-talk from harming us, from causing us the things that give us the problems that we have. So I hope that makes sense. We're going to get into this. I'm really excited to discuss this subject. And as we're doing so, let me give you a little bit of a frame of reference as you start thinking about what your inner critic is doing in your life. Uh, a little bit of an introduction. As I said, my name is Prash, Prash Katecha, and I'm a well-being and conscious leadership expert and spiritual mentor. And it is my pleasure to be able to bring topics that mean something to people, topics that matter, topics that count, and bring wisdom and insights to help to deconstruct what we're doing and to find a better way to navigate from stress to success. I'm the CEO of Stress to Success, and we're dedicated to coaching and training individuals and organizations in emotional intelligence, well-being, mindfulness, and leadership. And it's been a journey. I got to tell you for myself, my inner critic has been such a loud, a loud crit critic of the success I've had in my life. It's held me back in so many different ways. I want you to think about where it's been doing the same for you. As you start thinking about that, let's give a frame of reference. And let me give you my own example. For me, for example, I remember having some of my teachers at way back, like middle school, way even before high school, primary and middle school say to me that I'm not great at learning, I'm disruptive, I'm a rebel, I'm never going to get to very far because I never put my mind to studying. And those negative remarks 
bled into my subconscious. They seeped into my subconscious. And for so many years, I found myself pulling, putting myself down compared to other people around me in the academic world. And I thought that I'm not as smart as other people. I'm not as capable as learning as other people. And that became a big theme for me during my primary and then high school and even college education. I felt myself holding myself back. Uh, another example, you know, I remember later on then when I got, I was in my early 20s and I got married and it didn't last very long. Uh, I learned a lot of mis I made mistakes. I learned a hell of a lot. You know, my wife at the time made mistakes. I wasn't married for a huge amount of time. But since the experience was negative, it wasn't a great experience. I came to the conclusion that I'm just a failure at marriage. I'm just rubbish at wedding. I, I, I'm, a rub I'm just rubbish at married life. I'm just no good at relationships. I made up all these different things to present a picture of myself that I'm just hopeless at romance, no good to be married with, no, be, no good to be married to, probably not going to find anyone. And my inner critic spent the next decade putting me off finding something and sabotaging the results that I got because I kept thinking that I'm just going to be rubbish at this. And sadly, I had some, you know, in those days, society tell me the same thing. I'm not going to be great. You know, what a failure. You got married at 23 and didn't work out. So, you know, I'm a failure. Now, the truth of the matter is that that's not the case, right? We often learn that we grossly exaggerate the incidents that happen in our life and we make a bigger deal out of them and that they are. And then we make them appear as if they're the truth forever. They're not. They're the truth for that amount of time, or maybe they're the perception of truth at that time. But they're not true for the whole of time because we change. People change. Our experiences change, right? So when you start to get that, when you recognize that actually our circumstances don't define us, it's our perception of our circumstances that have a big role in how our life is defined and how we unfold, then we can start to be able to set ourselves free. So let's talk about the inner critic specifically. I've given you some examples. I want you to think about, think about where the inner critic shows up for you in your life as we're going through this. Think about it. Where does it show up for you in your life? Is it in your relationships like for me as it was in my 20s and into my early 30s? Is it in your work life? Is it in your career? Maybe it's in your business. Or maybe it's in your family relationships or you, with your friends where you feel held back. You, you can't be real expressive. Maybe it's in one of your hobbies or skills. You feel you're being held back, that you could be better at something. You know, I felt that way with music for a long time. I thought that I'm no good because I kept comparing myself to professional musicians. And I thought, well, my singing and piano playing will never be as good as anyone else. And so the inner critic stopped me for years from performing on stage. And it wasn't until I got into my 30s uh, that I started performing live on stage and building that confidence. And the more I did it, I realized that actually that negative self-talk was just bakwas, uh, rubbish. It was just nonsense. So think about this for your life. And let's understand what the inner critic is all about. So the inner critic is that part of our mind. It's that nagging voice that we hear that's telling us we're not good enough. We're not smart enough. We'll never make it. You know, we're not capable enough. Or that, you know, if we do this, this negative thing will happen and we better not do it at all. It's that voice that says, no, don't do that. It's going to cause a whole ton of pain and then you won't be able to handle it. Just think for a second how that's showing up in your life. Because the inner critic sometimes forms a well-integrated 
package of destructive thoughts that we say to ourselves. Um, it's those nagging voices. And it's not auditory. It's not hallucinatory. It's just experiences thoughts within our head. And then the behavior transpose, transpires as a result. Usually it stops us from carrying out or leveling up or taking that next step. It kind of has a paralytic um, effect, kind of like pressing the brakes on a car while you're trying to accelerate at the same time. And, and I'm sure you know that analogy, you've heard it yourself many times. And we use it in coaching, right? You're kind of trying to drive and you're pressing the brakes at the same time. But it does have a role, right? The inner critic is there. In a sense, it also protects us from external judgment. It protects us from, from rejection. And it's often constantly pointing out these things. You're not enough. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. All these sorts of things. But it can also be like a guardian angel. It kind of stands over you. It protects you from a certain degree of pain. So the goal here isn't to hate the inner critic. It's just to tame down what the critic, inner critic plays, the role that the inner critic plays in our lives. That's the goal here. It's not to crush it. It's just to tame it. Okay. I hope that makes sense. So let's look at this a little bit more. Okay. When we start talking about the inner critic and we know that it plays an important life, um, where does it show? It can show up when we're trying to establish new goals, right? These goals exist outside ourselves. We're trying to reach for that new goal, but you know, because that goal may require a certain degree of uncertainty, right? A certain degree of pain. The inner critic will kick in and say, no, don't do that. It wants to protect us from that pain. It doesn't appreciate things that are uncertain. The inner critic doesn't like that. It wants to avoid uncertainty at all costs. It wants to keep us from getting into doubt. It wants to keep us in a position where we're within our comfort zone, where we're comfortable, where we don't experience that pain. And the thing is that every time the inner critic reminds you of your inadequacies, your, your limitations, it helps you to see the potential pitfalls in advance. Now that can be a good thing to see the pitfalls in advance, but when those pitfalls and that premonition of pitfalls prevents you from moving forward, course that's not a good thing that's where the inner critic needs to be tamed okay so hopefully this is making sense as we go through it and let's have a now look at what the inner critic can look like there are different types of inner critic let me give you an example you've got the perfectionist style of inner critic right this is the critic that tries to get you to do these everything that you do perfectly it sets ridiculously high standards for the things that you produce or you do and the standards are so high that you know, you fear that you're going to be judged or rejected for not reaching the standards and therefore you just don't do it at all. Make sense? Here's another one, the inner controller, right? Now, this critic tries to control your impulses, you know, whatever it is, right? Eating, drinking, sexual activity. It polarizes you and um, it has this indulger addict thing. And what happens is it fears that things will get out of hand. And so it's motivated to try to make you a good person who is accepted within society, but by doing so, it makes you feel shameful about who you are. And that shame, again, prevents you from actually achieving something good in your life because you're filled with shame, even guilt. So how that kind of makes sense. Then you've got another type. Let's look at another type, the underminer, right? This critic, inner critic style, tries to undermine your self-confidence and self-esteem. He won't let you take risks. It makes direct attacks on your self-worth so that you stay small, you stay, you know, you play small, you stay small. You don't want to take those chances. You're worried that you'll get hurt or rejected. 
and it's afraid that inner critic is afraid uh, of you being too big or too visible raising your head too high and not being able to tolerate the judgment or failure or shame or criticism that will come with that does that make sense and so the inner, inner critic keeps you small so think about these sorts of inner critic types how are they showing up for you in your life um, and here's another one and i want to share one that really i think a lot of people could relate to especially people from ethnic backgrounds i know for asian backgrounds uh i myself know this the inner critic style of the conformist the conformist now the conformist is a style of inner critic that tries to get you to fit into a certain mold based on societal norms based on societal standards expectations your culture your family and it wants you to be liked and admired and to protect you from being abandoned rejected cut out ostracized from your community your family it's that inner critic that stopped me for so many years thinking that maybe I shouldn't, I, for so many years, I thought, well, maybe I shouldn't date anybody outside my um, caste. Maybe I shouldn't date anybody who's not like Indian because, you know, I'm going to get judged. I'm going to get ostracized. Maybe I shouldn't do a role. How many of you know that, you know, there are, I got a lot of friends who are musicians, artists, authors, and they used to get so much flack because they said, if you, if you take a role outside of law, pharmacy, computing, technology, accounting. If you go outside these traditional mainstays, then you're going to be judged. You're going to be looked upon. You might have eyebrows raised. So many of these taboos form a part of this conformist nature that our inner critic can sometimes have. And it keeps us in this mold and stops us from achieving something that we'd like to achieve because of that fear of being judged or rejected. So these are different types. So what can we do? I'm going to take a pause there as you think about this. What can we do? What can we do? Well, first of all, what have you, what have you done? What's worked for you so far? What have you done to tame your inner critic that has actually benefited you in some way? That's something that has caused you benefit, something that has actually helped you in your life. What is that? Think about that. And as we do that, I'm going to share a couple of ideas. Firstly, try to observe how self criticism operates within you that means becoming more aware of your inner critic right so listening to that voice paying attention when it shows up because a lot of times it will pay it it will come but you won't hear it it will go it will go subconsciously it will just go past you without you detecting it but if you become aware and where to become aware is when you're about to make a breakthrough, when you're about to stretch your comfort zone, when you're about to get uncomfortable, when you've had a great idea, but you're suddenly worried about what will happen if you implement that idea or embrace that opportunity. Watch out for those situations where the inner critic may show up, right? As that little voice, oh, no, you shouldn't do it. You might risk everything. You might risk your reputation, you might lose lose money you might do this you might do that listen for that voice so you start to observe that self-criticism or inner critic showing up that's step number one step number two become aware of the emotions that are associated with it which emotion is showing up is it guilt is it shame is it fear is it just a certain type of pain if it's pain where is it where are you feeling that pain is it in your jaw is it tension in your chest is it in your belly what you're doing is you're becoming more mindful at where those negative thoughts and that inner critic is showing up. The key is becoming mindful. The more mindful you become, 
the more you're going to be able to start to label the thoughts that arise and observe how your mind processes those thoughts. Does that make sense? So imagine you're a traffic warden or a police officer with a gun and you're able to monitor the speed that the traffic is going past and you're standing on a bridge looking down at the traffic and you're using your traffic gun to check the speed of their stuff. So that's the kind of approach that we're taking with our thoughts. You're going to be like a diligent police officer and you're going to monitor how those thoughts are going past underneath, right? On the motorway of the mind. You're going to monitor those thoughts. When I say monitor, you're not indulging in the thoughts. You're just monitoring the thoughts. So as you monitor the thoughts, you're able to gauge what speed they're going at, right? The nature of the thought, what's showing up. And the more you get better at doing that, the more you're able to start to recognize a pattern in the kind of thoughts that are showing up. What kind of pattern is showing up for these thoughts? And as you identify patterns, once you start to identify them, you're able to start to investigate why those patterns exist, right? Is it, for example, a thought that often says that, no, no, you'll be ostracized from society. So it's a fear of being rejected from society. Then you can go back and you can work with a coach by yourself, or work with a coach or mentor and try to ascertain the source of where that rejection fear came from. When you look back in your childhood or your early years, you try and find that source. When you do a bit of that root cause analysis, you're able to then try to weed out that thought. And once you start to unravel that thought and pull it out, it no longer holds that grip and the the inner critic stops showing up with that same thought pattern because you've broken it, you've disrupted it. So I hope that makes sense. That's so important for us to pick up and actually do. Now, another tip is to play the role of the inner coach, right? So what you're doing is you're defending against the inner critic. You're finding evidence to the contrary. So a critic is a critic and a coach is here to be on your side. So be your own coach. When your inner critic shows up through the ways we've just described, when you're more aware and you recognize your inner critic showing up, what you do is you trigger your inner coach. The inner coach comes in and looks for examples of where you've managed to succeed in different areas of your life in the past, in the past. Now, what that does is it sends you a sense of, it it amplifies your self-confidence in the moment. So when you feel like, oh, I can't do this, I'm going to get rejected here, or what if I fail here, what if I take this risk and this happens or that happens, go back, use your inner coach and go back in time and look at situations, incidents, circumstances, goals, projects, whatever it is, where you've actually overcome those things, you've achieved something, you won at that position, you got that pay rise. You managed to handle that argument with that family member really well. You managed to travel to that country by yourself without shame. You managed to live on a minimum amount of money and you were still healthy. You managed to overcome that health issue. Think about the things that you've overcome and succeeded in doing in your past and use that. That's your inner coach speaking. Use that to counteract the inner critic or the negative self-talk that's happening right at that time saying, hang on a second. Whoa, hang on inner critic. I've got three examples in the past where I did this over there. I accomplished that over there and I overcome that challenge over there. So I've got proof that I am capable. And in that moment, you empower yourself by reminding yourself of what you've accomplished. I hope that makes sense. Another thing is you can see yourself 
try to see yourself in the way that people who care for you, people who are your friends or family members, that they see you. Sometimes we see the worst in ourselves. Sometimes we expect the worst of ourselves. But if you, it's like this. Would you ever talk to your child the way you talk to yourself when you're in a negative situation? Would you ever do it? Right? Whether you have a child or not. If you had a child, would you ever talk to your children with the amount of negative self-talk that you talk to yourself? Of course you would. So what you're learning to do in this time when your inner critic shows up is in that moment, think of the people who care for you, your role models, people who you love, maybe a parent, maybe somebody who's passed away. Bring them to your mind and ask yourself, how do they perceive you? And the chances are when you do that, you'll recognize and you'll admit that so-and-so, your family member, your friend, they like you. They love you. They admire you. They respect you. If it's a work colleague, they hold you in high esteem. Maybe it's somebody that you've mentored and they look up to you. Maybe it's your child and they look up to you. They trust you. So what you're doing is you're shifting your focus from woe is me and I'm, I'm rubbish. I'm not this. I'm incapable. And you're moving into a position where you're seeing yourself from the eyes, from the eyes of somebody who cares for you, who loves you, who you admire. And when you do that, you start to re-empower yourself to see that actually I don't need you start to silence the inner critic. And instead your inner coach comes up and says, wait a minute, I'm loved by these people. They respect me for this. They like me for this. And I've helped these people out do this. I've done so much for these people. They've done so much for me. And I am something in other people's eyes. I'm worth something. And when you remind yourself of that, you start to automatically and naturally calm down your inner critic. Okay lastly one more thing you've got to cut yourself some slack you've got to give yourself a break see a lot of times i remember when i was called upon to perform on stage to sing and play um, or to speak on stage and give a talk a motivational talk or a keynote um, and sometimes i do that i often get paralyzed by the guy who just went before me or the gal who went before me. Like if it's a keynote, I think, oh my God, how am I going to beat that? These guys just killed it. The crowd clapped. They, they found it amazing. How am I going to follow that? And in that moment, my inner critic is going crazy, right? And I'm paralyzed. I don't know how I'm going to show up on stage. Then I'm going to remind myself with these techniques. Wait a second, I've, I've been on stage before. People have loved what I've done. Um, I've spoken in small rooms and they've kind of liked it. So you know what? I'm just going to be myself. I'm going to go up and do it. You see what I'm saying? So in that moment, you've got to cut yourself some slack. So maybe there are times where you've not done so good. But if you always hold yourself on a pedestal and you raise your expectations unnecessarily high, right? When you do that, or you beat yourself up because you did something and didn't work out, you're reinforcing that behavior. And so you're giving your inner critic more fuel to behave that way in future, to play out again and again and again, you're reinforcing that negative self-talk. So what you've got to do is you've got to interrupt that and say, wait a second, I'm just going to cut myself some slack. I'm not going to hold myself at this high, unnecessarily high standard. I'm going to go out there and be myself. I'm going to speak the way I do. I'm going to play music the way I do. I'm going to express myself the way I do. I'm going to cook the way I do. I'm going to do my work the way I do, but I'm going to just gradually raise my game. But you cut yourself some slack when you fail short, when you fall short of that, you cut yourself some slack. 
Does that make sense? Nobody else is going to help you cut yourself some slack. You got to cut yourself some slack. Don't wait for somebody else to do that. When we cut ourselves the slack just a little bit, what we're doing is we're taking that pressure valve off. And when we take that pressure valve off, right? Anybody, you guys, if you've heard of a golfer's hack, some of you may, if you play golf, there's a term in golf called the golfer's hack. It's where you're trying to achieve a certain technique and you keep going at it, going at it, going at it with this kind of brute force approach. And unfortunately, because you go with a brute force approach and you're not getting it, you're not getting it, but you keep trying again and again, you end up just making it worse. You just get worse at that very thing. It's called a golfer's hat. So that's what happens sometimes when you don't cut slack. So sometimes you just got to pull back. Sometimes you've got to cut yourself some slack and say, it's okay. It didn't work out this time. Don't overanalyze it. So I'm going to come back and I'm going to do that again. If you don't get that job opportunity, you don't let your inner city beat you say, look, you know, what am I going to learn from that? I'm going to go back. I'll try again. Whatever it is in your life, think about that. But ultimately, it boils down to this. You've got to learn to forgive yourself. We've all got to learn to do that. I, I, it took me ages to forgive myself for my broken marriage in my early 20s. And I put all kinds of reasons on it. Man, and I should have been married for life. I should have made my father proud. I should have done this. I should have kept my family happy. I should have done that. And I was, all this pressure was in my head and I wasn't forgiving myself for it. It took me years to recognize that actually I was 23. I got married young. It was a love marriage. I, I did it because I lost my mom and I needed, I thought it's good to have a wife and be great, you know, because they'll bring some stability and feminine energy to our family. And I did it with good intent, but it didn't work out. I recognized I was only 23. I recognized I wasn't mature enough to make certain decisions. I recognized that, you know, I had a lot of growing to do. And so slowly I learned to forgive myself. And that's ultimately what we all have to do. We have to learn to forgive the mistakes that we've made and not see them as mistakes, but see them as lessons. You know, everybody and everyone and everything is a lesson, is a teacher in some way in our life. Even those people who we regard as our enemies, even those people who have done harm to us, ultimately they're a teacher in some way. So if we can start to see that the so-called lessons the so-called mistakes that we've made, the things that we screwed up on are actually lessons. And we can start to learn to forgive ourselves. And the more we learn to forgive ourselves, the less powerful that noise is of our inner critic. And we start to tame that voice down. So I've given you five different steps here to help you to calm down and tame your inner critic so that you can start to amplify your inner coach. There's so much more I can say on this. There's so much to be said, but... I hope these five tactics can be applied in your life and you can use them in your life, in your family's life, in the life of somebody you care about, a friend, a partner, a loved one, and start to use them to help to tame your inner critic and amplify the results that you get. Hey folks, thanks so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And as with all our episodes, found something to inform, inspire, and empower you in your personal and spiritual journeys in life. As always, feel free to leave a little love for your ratings and comments, subscribe, and share it with those you care about. And take your personal and spiritual evolution to the next level by joining us on one of our unique events, workshops, or retreats, or taking advantage of our personal and professional coaching packages. Find out more about us at mantratherapy.co.uk. I'm your host, Prash K. This is Urban Spirituality, and we will catch you on the next episode.